0: We are here to uncover the good, the bad and the ugly of the IT industry. My name is Robin Johns and this is Convergence by Cato Networks. Shifting your career path to get into the IT world can be intimidating, but it is certainly not impossible. In fact, you might probably have most of the required skills but may not even know that yet. In this episode, we are hosting Boaz Barzel, Cato Network sales enablement lead. We'll talk about the moves you need to make to acquire the experience needed, how to market yourself, and most importantly, we'll define what are the key factors you should consider when shifting career paths into IT. Stay tuned, this will be a good one. Hi Boaz, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you very much Robin. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you to talk about all things sales enablement, and generally how to shift career paths. So let's start with your personal journey, because nobody starts in the place they want to be. What was your planned career path? Looking way back when to a young 15-year-old Boaz or bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, where did you want to be?
1: When I was 15, I had a long hair and black boots, black coat, so it's a different From where I am today but my career actually started from the military the Israeli military I was five years in the Israel military and and when I left the military I really didn't know what to do so I didn't have a plan the only plan that I had was getting breakfast that day but then I got a call to uh, participate in a bartending course and I can use the military funds that I received for that course. So I said, well, not?" and then I started learning how to be a bartender and a barista. And that really kickstarted my first, I would say, career path. From there, I was uh, working as a bartender and a barista. And then I started instructing other people in a bartending school. I uh, participated in the Israeli Barista Championship in 2008. I won second place. Very proud about it. And kind of the same time, I was thinking, okay, what's the next step? What should I do? So I opened a business of my own about training, instructing, helping other coffee places to succeed in the service also industry. And then I took an entrepreneurship course with a friend. We had big plans. We wanted to open a coffee shop in Israel. During that course, we discovered the different elements. And one of the most shocking, I would say, uh, data is that 90% of the business close in the first year. Second year, same kind of percentage. And it's a real 24-7 like profession, not like with you know, high tech, it's 24-7, but you get to sleep. There, you don't really get a lot of sleep. And then what happened then I decided that I want to shift. My career. I want to change what I'm doing because I don't. I wasn't seeing any kind of success in the future. I got married. I finished my university degree, and then I decided to change career.
0: So effectively, you were seeing the world of beans and Java, and you thought that's not the type of Java I actually want. You want to start doing more tech because, as we all know, Israel is a very hot spot for startups, innovation, and technical success. So if you have people running around turning caffeine into code, I guess it's only natural that you start to meet the people who you're serving, understand more about their careers, and move forward. So as you didn't start your career in a tech space, as you started your role in a militaristic and then a retail environment or a service industry, what sort of transferable skills have you learned from then which you have brought into the world of tech?
1: That's a great question, Robin, because... One of the things that I've learned is first of all, be honest and be open, accept change, and listen to everyone around you. And this is kind of the things that you learn when starting from really the ground up. When I started the work in Checkpoint, I didn't know anything. I was not even aware on how to configure IP on a Windows machine, so at that level, but they still have me, they still accepted me for an entry-level program. And I would say it was an easy start. And the reason is because I knew I didn't know anything, that I have to learn anything. And they also knew that. So we're practically saying, okay, you don't know anything. Here's a lot of stuff, go and, and learn that and start practicing. And because of that, I think that It's relatively easy. I know that most people will not agree with me around that, but it's relatively easy to start from kind of the entry level where everybody acknowledges that you're an entry level. And technically, all you need to do is work, learn, practice, and repeat. And eventually, if you're a team player, and this is something that I learned in the military, no one can be successful on their own. You have to work as a team. There is also hierarchy and political approaches that you need to learn. And once you get it right, you're able to, I would say, be more accomplished in what you do and understand what needs to be done for you to be successful, for the organizations or the teams that you work with to be successful. and. If you can find a way to make it happen, so the team is successful and uh, by that you are also successful, then that's kind of the way to integrate yourself into being part of a a successful organization and an integral part that people look at you and say, we want him to work
0: with us. That's a, a big challenge. Like the classical term, alone, you can go faster, but together as a team, you can go further. And some people often struggle to move into tech where they're used to doing things at their own pace. They're used to driving forward and doing the tasks in front of them and not having that limitation. But the world of tech is much more converged. You have more dependencies. And as you mentioned, we can't ignore the internal politics of any single company, whether it be vendor to customer, vendor to vendor, or even just talking with your peers. And learning that political shift and how to deal with your other teams that's often seen as key to success. So when it comes to shifting into the world of IT or into the world of tech, there's so many different areas of tech out there. And if you don't already have your own career path established, things can be very confusing. So how did you decide to go down the tech path you were? Why not development? Why not engineering? Why not QA? Why did you end up in sales enablement?
1: That's interesting because I did start as a QA engineer. I didn't know what it means. All I knew that I'm very good with technology. Technology loves me. When people had their problems with their computers, they would call me because apparently I knew something. And the moment I sit down in front of the computer, everything worked. So it's like, you know, when you go to a a doctor, when you feel sick, you sit down, you're waiting for the doctor and immediately you start feeling better. Nothing was treated, but you're in that kind of path for getting a cure or getting cured actually. So for me, technology was always an easy element. And fortunately I had a cousin that was working in Checkpoint. So I spoke with him and then we sat down and talked about what can I do? What's my interests are? And he said, you know what, why won't you start in Checkpoint as a QA engineer? Really from the entry level, And that's basically what I did. So we worked on my CV, which was completely not related. And one thing I've learned is that you have to be interesting. And that means that if you're creating your CV and everything there is kind of very professional and very accurate, it's important. That's true. But you have to be interesting because I would say a good interviewer would first ask you about yourself. And what they mean is that, why you? But the second thing to really create that openness and, and build that kind of trust so the interview will go well is asking about your hobbies or you know things you've accomplished that is not really something that, you know, relating to the job. And I think that today in our world, people are looking for someone interesting, someone that can bring more than just the professional experience. So that's kind of where I started. I was talking about my world and my experience in the coffee industry. And we talked about coffee. Everybody loves coffee, except my wife, which is funny because she hates coffee and she hates the smell of coffee. And everybody's laughing because I make apparently great coffee. I won the uh, Barista Championship, again, second place. But so every time someone comes to my home, they have a, um, a world-grade cup of coffee. And my wife doesn't drink any kind of coffee. So it's really, it's funny, but this is a good talking point. And this is something that I would recommend everybody to have volunteering or having a, a really successful or being something some somewhat successful in some sort of a hobby that is an interesting topic to speak about and then add to your resume, even if your resume is not you know, relevant to that uh, uh, profession. And finally, I would say that if you can write down the skills, I would say that you've shown or that you uh, have experience in that are relevant to that position, there's something that will also help you and kind of get you to rethink about the job or the position, what needs to be done, and eventually understand, okay, am I skillful for that? Can I learn that? Do I want to learn that? Is that something I want to do? And that's really something that when I started as a QA, because I'm a very kind of structured and, and planned kind of guy, it was really easy because you have a test plan. You go one, two, three, four. If it works, fantastic. If not, you open a ticket. That's basically it. And from that point, it's really is gotten me into the world that we know today as kind of the tech world. and security and networking and everything that we do. That's
0: some very good advice, especially looking for transferable skills from one role into another. Now, I remember when I did my first application for a management position way back in my career, I got asked, do you have any management experience? Have you ever led a team? And at that point in time, professionally, no. But realistically, World of Warcraft guild leader for 10 years and trying to arrange 40 people to run several tactics and get them to stand in the fire or dispel curses at the same time, that's a transferable skill. Same as if you're if you don't have any experience problem solving, and maybe you like Dungeons and Dragons. Well, that's just utilizing a group of people to come up with creative solutions to difficult problems, and you can kind of move as you go forward. So what would you advise that people do not put on their CV? What should they leave out if they're trying to step into the world of tech from another area, such as retail, accounting, finance, or others?
1: That's funny that you say I want to address the world of Warcraft because I was actually a game master uh, when I was young, pre-military. I started Dungeons and Dragons when I was 12 years old, and then LARPing and other areas of role-playing. So I was also a game master. I had a community service before the military. So I postponed the military and had a community service. And the whole year I had a team that I was also the instructor. And then I was also their GM in the game. So it was really kind of a fun experience. Going back to uh, your question, sometimes people write their CV or the resume in a very generic way. They're not investing time to think about what is really needed for this job or for the skills that you need. And then what happens is that someone that reads their CV or resume, even if it's professionally done, it seems generic and they don't find anything interesting. And that's what you need to think about. So if your CV is generic or Is not interesting. There's nothing that will say, okay, this guy might be a good choice for us. Not because he has experience, but because they can bring something in addition to what we already have, especially with teams that are already established and you're looking for another member like I'm doing today, for example. I was looking for experience and skill, but I was also looking for something that I am missing, that my team is missing. Not necessarily in the experience, but maybe in creativity or in interpersonal skills. And that's kind of one of the important elements. If you have good interpersonal skills, get examples and add those to the CV. Don't leave them out. Because this will literally change minds of, especially HR, because they will see, okay, why did he mention that? That seems interesting. Maybe... It's worthwhile speaking with him. And that's what we want to do. The entire purpose of that CV is to get someone to speak with you. That's it. From that point on, it's the ability to interview and how to tell your story in such a way that they will think, okay, that's the person that I want for that job. So that's kind of the, the area. I would also, when I'm interviewing, take it to the next step. I'm, I'm moving ahead. Okay. Taking to the next step, you're interviewing. Uh, I spoke with one of my friends that I that she's actually looking for a new job in product management. She doesn't have any security uh, background. So not right for Cato, but we talked about, you know, that kind of CV and we talked about interviewing and we talked about how to be able to present yourself, what to say and what to talk about and the different skills that you have and in an interview, it's important to understand that what the other side is thinking is, why should I choose you from all the other candidates? And this is what you start with. And then you talk about other areas where you volunteer, where, you know, kind of hobbies that you have. Why did you choose that corporation or that startup or any kind of job? You know What's the reason? and show that you've taken interest, that you've learned about them, read some stories, blogs about their website, read the about us, you know, why do we do what we do and talk about it? Because any interviewer will like for the person that they're interviewing to be interested in what they do in the you know, the company they work with. And also personally, if you find a common hobby, you can raise it. So I do recommend be very specific in your CV, leave out the generic stuff just write down why you for this job what skills according to the what they wrote and if you are missing experience if they requested 10 years in product management and you only have 2 that's not a problem but address that talk about why those 2 were as meaningful as 10 if not more years and look and ask them what do they think or what do you expect from those 10 years and talk about.
0: I think a lot of this comes down to the worst four-letter F word in the English language. And that's fear. No dirty minds, just fear. People are scared about taking the leap and taking the jump. And if you were to start looking at a job description, you might say, yes, you need 10 years of experience in this or 10 years in that. I saw a developer job recently and it was asking for 15 years of Swift experience. Now, I don't believe Swift has been out for 15 years, but hey, that's what the hiring manager decided to put down. Sometimes the hiring managers don't really know what they're looking for. Instead, it's more of a box-checking exercise. So, presume you saw a fantastic role that you wanted to jump into, and you thought, yes, this company is great. Maybe it's Cato Networks. We have lots of jobs on our careers page. Come and listen. Or maybe another company, but really, come to Cato. But you see this job spec, and you know, you do not have the technical skills required for this job, but you believe you could learn it. How do you personally acquire new tech skills? How do you keep your tech skills relevant? And how do you breach into the wild unknown? Because, well, with tech, the more you know, the more you realize you have no idea what's going whatsoever. So what's your approach?
1: That's great. That's a really great question, because I was in the same place, I would say, 12 years ago. And for me, I was always interested in technology. So before I do start talking about technology, Cato is an amazing company. It's such a great company. And I would say that my only regret is not joining Cato sooner. So if I knew that, I would probably join sooner. And that's really something that if people listen to that and they think about, okay, should I move somewhere else? definitely go and move into Cato. You'll have a chance to work with us. That's kind of a great thing. But nonetheless, reading about technology, I would say it's good. It's not enough. Because technology really changed our lives completely. Everything that we do today revolves around technology and we can't really imagine how our lives will be without it. That means there's different areas of technology that You'll have to decide what is your interest. What do you like to do? And from that point, I would say if you find a position or a role that has different skills or knowledge or experience that you believe is missing, the first thing is to research about it. What does it mean? How does it look like? If you can use a a free trial of some software and start working on that and kind of gaining the experience or investing in a proper lesson or an e learning. That can help you with that. That's fantastic. I have a rule. It's a rule for me and my team. The rule is that you need to spend at least 20% of your time learning something new. That means that part of your work involves learning something new. Every week I make sure to listen to at least one or two podcasts. LinkedIn Learning, for example, it's a great asset and we have it in Cato, so we have access to everyone anyone that just want to learn from LinkedIn learnings, there's some great courses and the beauty of it, it only takes 20 to 30 minutes. That's all. So you eat lunch, you finish lunch, you're feeling kind of drowsy mm-hmm. and you say, okay, let me learn something that I'm interested in. So I'm opening a podcast. I watch a TED talk, you no know, newspapers or a, a LinkedIn learning course or any one of those areas. And the important thing is that I'm trying to write down one topic or one idea that got my attention and trying to develop it and see how can I get better with that. Maybe they talked about it in the podcast or in the uh, talk, or maybe it's something that I need to research. And now I'm using something that's called Feynman technique. Feynman was a great professor and his, I would say, most valued accomplishment, he was able to explain complex topics in simple ways. And his technique is great for everyone to practice, especially if you want to learn a new skill. And the first thing is to learn and to research. And we talked about that, but what most people are not doing and that's the really great aspect is to practice it. So you need to explain it and to present it to someone else. At first, it's better someone from the industry that can bring you feedback. But if not, you will learn very quickly what are the gaps and the challenges in the knowledge and and expertise that you have. And it will allow you to go back and learn and focus on those and be more aware of your own kind of skills and capabilities. And then you go practice again. So after you learn, you practice again until you're at a level that you can explain that topic to a six-year-old or your grandmother. And once you're able to do that, you have mastered that topic. And most people, especially in organization, and that's kind of one of the areas that got me into sales enablement, is that I can get people to practice to be better at what they do and to influence that and create that level of success. And what I do is just give them the stage or provide them with the stage and the content and the topics to practice. And then they practice with me, even if I won't say anything they will immediately learn the areas that they need to get better at. This is what we do in Cato, by the way. We practice. And the first question I asked them, what did you learn? What did you think about? And this is a customer simulation about the customer. Was the customer interested? And so on and so forth. And in 99% of the times, they are extremely accurate with what went sideways, what needs to be improved. And the topic that I also cover is their strength. What were you good at? You need to lean on that and also work on that. So, going back to your question, you have strong elements or strong skills and and knowledge areas. Lean on those more. Make sure you're learning and improving those as well, because these are the areas that will help you when you are challenged, when you have. Gaps of knowledge, you can go back and lean to those strengths. And some people don't know their own strengths. And this is something that we are able to do. So, eventually, kind of summarizing everything, I do what I do because I can influence people in becoming better at what they do. And to help them, even if I am not the expert, which usually I am, but even if I'm not the expert, I can get them to be the expert. I can get them to be so good at what they do that they are successful. And if they are successful, I am successful. And being part of that and working with as many people as possible is the reason why I'm in enablement, sales enablement, because I like the technology. I like sales. I like to speak. And I get to do it a lot because I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm constantly thinking about how can I take it a step further? What can I do to be better at what I do so others will be better at what they do?
0: Knowing strengths is important. It's only through knowing strengths you can identify your weaknesses. So, if you were to just say three generic bullet points, just three, what are the three most important strengths to have to work in the world of tech?
1: It might sound counterintuitive, but it's not relating to tech skills. The first thing, is being honest and open that's the first thing the second one is being a team player and motivated to work with others and help them succeed by doing that by the way you will learn a lot of what you need to do and the third thing is intelligence and that means that you're not stupid i'm not calling people stupid but You're intelligent and intelligent people have good learning skills. If they don't, they learn how to learn, which is important. But the second thing is that they're self-motivated and they're curious. So constantly be curious, listen to other people. Even if you know what they're talking about, if you think you know what they're talking about, even if you are already the kind of master at that topic, listen to what they say. Try to think about, okay, maybe they have something that I don't know, or I haven't researched enough. And if you'd ask me, I like to work with people. And I would look for people that hate to fail more than I would look for people that like to succeed. Because they will have that constant drive to be better. You know, if you like to succeed, then you succeeded, that's fine. But there's usually nothing to take you to the next step. If you're constantly looking at what am I doing, what do I need to do and planning for not failing, then success will come. And it's more about the way than it's about the goal that you're trying to achieve. So I would say be honest, be open, be curious, be intelligent, self-motivated, and learn how to learn. Listen to other people
0: and work with them. Great advice, great advice. Now, if you were to go back in time, once again, to our long-haired, slightly gothic Boaz of, of yore, and you were to give some advice to that young whippersnapper today, what piece of information would you like to give yourself as a youngster? What do you know now you wish you knew earlier in your career? That's a good
1: question. And I'm going to answer it in a way that you have probably not expecting me. First of all, do sports more martial arts, for example, or it can be swimming or anything like that. So really invest in that and make it part of your life alongside of, I would say, not health, but eat well. And that's kind of the the most important thing because everything else comes from a, a good and balanced life. And if you want to be open-minded or have the right mental skills to invest in what you do in in your work and of course you need to love what you do and this is something that really helps me because I really love what I do is that when your life is balanced you're doing sports or any kind of physical activity you're training your brain as well mentally that is the most important thing and for me I was not doing sport as much as i wanted uh, as much as i do I, mean, I am doing today and i'm really happy about it because it also clears your mind and it gives you some time to reflect upon what you're doing and you're not capable of taking long thoughts or reflecting on really deep things because you're constantly breathing and you're constantly you know trying to catch up to what you're doing so it Similar to meditation, for me at least, where brain's kind of semi-shut off and you're into the workout, you're into the training. Um, I have a personal trainer because then I don't have to also think about what I need to do. Again, something that I learned from the military. This is the, the exercise that you need to do. Go and do it. 12 repetition, this amount of weights. Go and do it. You're not thinking. You're really into it and it clears your mind. And it's really something. It's really something that I recommend, and something that I would tell kind of the uh, uh, sixteen me. I would also tell him to learn more languages. I love languages. I think that everyone today has to know at least two spoken languages and another coding language, you no know, computer language, if you want. That's kind of the bare minimum. That's what I require for my kids. So they learn Hebrew. They learn English very early in the process, and my daughter already started coding. So started from scratch, and now she's moving to Python, HTML, and she's in a kind of a, a girls' course. My son's the same thing. And once he learns English uh, a little more, I would say next year, maybe thereafter, okay, you will start with coding as well. From that point, they are free to do whatever they want. They are free to choose whatever they want, as long as they can say with full heart, that this is what they want to do. This is what they love to do. And The minute that it's changed, they are free to change their mind, be dynamic, be open, because life is constantly changing. And I think that this is kind of where I find myself, you know, changing constantly. You know, I'm pretty sure that in a few years, I'll be changing what I'm doing, and kind of be more accurate or focused in the areas that I'm doing. And being able to develop and trying to do more, I would say, front seat kind of driving, uh,
0: if that makes sense. Teaching children how to code is very dangerous, especially if they're young children, because young children ask why questions all the time. You teach them to code, then they're giving you if loops, they're giving you the while statements, and you're just expanding the vocabulary to make it more difficult for you to parent and live with. But you are setting them up for success in the future, So regardless of the path they want to take, there's opportunities available. And that's, I think what the essence of your entire podcast has been. Everything you do, look at transferable skills, look how you can improve yourself as a person, look how you can grow, look how you can develop, be receptive to others. And overall, just focus on what you can do instead of what you can't. So thank you very much for your time, Boaz. It's been very insightful and it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest.
1: Thank you very much, Robin. It was an amazing experience. Uh, It was, as always, excellent to uh, uh, speak with you and talk with you. And I would say, encourage your children to ask why, and also ask why yourself, because I love when people present objections to me, ask me why, and now I have to handle that, because it makes me better, and I think that it will make everyone better. So thank you very much for that fantastic
0: experience. That was all for our episode today. I hope you've come away feeling a little more educated and empowered. In case you've forgotten, I'm Robin Johns, and you've been listening to Convergence by Kato Networks. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.